This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Hello, friends. Welcome back. Today is episode number 100 in this podcast. I took a little while to get here, but I'm glad to be here. And I've been thinking for a while now that perhaps I should do something special on the 100th episode, like to reintroduce the podcast or to revisit some of the themes, which I will do a little bit later. But as I was preparing, specifically instead of thinking generally about what I'd share today, something came up in my reading yesterday morning It's something that perhaps will be helpful to you, and it's something that I hadn't really noticed before as much as I've read through this particular section of the scriptures in Deuteronomy chapter 5 and then moving into chapter 6. Starting in verse 28 of uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5, Jehovah heard you when you spoke to me, and Jehovah said to me, this is Moses speaking, I have heard what this people said to you, and everything they said is good. And here's what God says, Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and to keep all my commands always, so that it might go well with them and their children forever. So I've highlighted a little bit as we go through the rest of chapter 5 and into chapter 6, I've highlighted or underlined these phrases. And here is the first one. There may be some more before. This is right after the giving of the law on the stone tablets. And God says, Ah, it'd just be so great if the hearts of the people would be inclined to fear me, keep my commandments, so that it would go well with them and their children forever. And I highlighted, so that it might go well with them and their children. So that. Now looking in verse 33. uh, Walk in all the ways that Jehovah your God has commanded you, so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. There it is again, so that we may live and prosper and have long days. Uh, Moving into chapter 6, and this is also a really good example again of these chapter breaks, really sort of breaking up the flow of the thoughts uh, that are being presented, the lines of thought that we see in the scripture. We really need to skip past the chapter breaks, and then in the version of the Bible I'm reading, there are little headings that are written there that some editor made up about what the theme is of the next section. And um, I want to skip right past that, but here I have stopped right in the middle (laughs) between chapter 5 and chapter 6. So let's start in chapter 6 and verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and laws that Jehovah your God directed me to teach you and to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as Jehovah, the God of your fathers, promised you. So here we see it again. Why does God give commands? So that the nation of Israel would fear him 
so that they would live. They'd have a good life. They'd prosper and have a good, long, enjoyable life, that things would go well for them. Let's continue in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, Jehovah your God, Jehovah is one, and love Jehovah your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So let's skip down a little bit because he just mentioned telling the children, the, the later generations, about these commandments. Verse 20 of chapter 6. In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations and the decrees and the laws that Jehovah our God has commanded us? So, there's a question. This is the question that the later generations, as they receive these commandments, this word of God, they ask, what is the meaning? Why do we have these commandments? And this is the answer. You reply, We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but Jehovah brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, Jehovah sent miraculous signs and wonders, oh, great and terrible, upon Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land that he promised on oath to our forefathers. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear Jehovah our God. And here it is again. So that we might always prosper and be kept alive. In verse 25, And if we are careful to obey all his law before Jehovah our God, as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. So I have a few thoughts here. Uh, first of all is what I've been underlining. Why does God give his law? Why does he tell his people about his character and give them instructions about how to live? It is so that they would live well. They would prosper. Future generations would be blessed as people learn to fear him. And as they tell the later generations about the goodness of God, it's so that we can move into the things that he's prepared for us and live well. And this is the heart of God. This is the motivation for him revealing more and more clearly his commandments and his will and telling his people how to live. Now, I do want to underscore that the Mosaic law, which we're talking about here, the Mosaic covenant is given to the people of Israel at this time to prepare them to move into the land. It's specifically for that nation at that time so that they would live well and prosper in the land they're moving into. And one of the great commandments is have no other gods before Jehovah. And if they had kept that commandment as they moved into the land, they would have lived well and been at peace. But they didn't keep that command. They followed other gods and they moved into things that were not of the Lord. And that is death and slavery again. So God's motivation for revealing himself to the nation of Israel is so that the nation would be blessed and live well. And this is reflected when Jesus brings the new covenant and he says, which you'll hear at the end of this podcast, now that you know these things, you'll be so blessed 
if you do them. And this is the heart of God, that he will reveal to us his will, his laws, his truth, and we will be blessed if we walk in them. And there's a big if. We can say that we will walk in them, but if we don't actually walk in them, then those blessings don't flow. We don't have that life that flows. Under the Mosaic Law, it's lived out in a different way than under the New Covenant. These two covenants are in contrast with one another. And before I talk a little bit about what the New Testament says about the Old Covenant, let me mention here at the end of chapter 6, verse 25, Moses says, And if we are careful to obey all this law before Jehovah our God, as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. If the nation of Israel had been careful to obey all that God had commanded, that was to be their righteousness. Now, it helps to define what righteousness means, but here we see it. Righteousness is doing right acts, acting rightly, being obedient to the commands of God. That is righteousness. Now, we have a promise that predates the giving of the Mosaic Law, and that's the Abrahamic Covenant. And I've talked about that extensively before, and I'm sure I'll come back to it again, that Abram believed God, and that faith was credited to him as righteousness. And we come back to that theme in the New Testament writings, that if we live by faith, if we have a living faith, then we are the children of Abraham, and that faith is credited to us as righteousness. God gives us credit that we can cash in later because he is leading us to perfection. Now, I do want to move on and talk a little bit about the Mosaic Law, the Old Covenant, and the New Covenant. And for that, let's look at Hebrews chapter 10. The writer of Hebrews, who we don't know who wrote Hebrews, uh, the writer says, The law, this Mosaic law, the Old Covenant, is only a shadow of the good things that are coming. They are not the realities themselves. And for this reason, it can never, that old law, that old covenant, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, if the law could make people perfect through that sacrificial system, if people could have been perfected, in verse 2 the writer says, if it could, would they not have stopped being offered these sacrifices? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer to have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices, this is verse 3, those sacrifices of the Mosaic law are an annual reminder of sins because it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And therefore, this is going on in verse 5, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. And then I said, Here I am. It is written, about me in the scroll, I have come to do your will, O God. That's what Jesus says. I've come to do your will, and here I am. Verse 8, first he said, sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire. You're not pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. And Christ said, here I am, I've come to do your will. 
And the writer of Hebrews says that Christ sets aside the Mosaic law to establish the second. He sets aside that old system of sacrifices to establish a new covenant. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Verse 11, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. So there's the contrast here. In the Mosaic law, the priest stands and performs religious duties and sacrifices every day, all the time, but they don't actually take away the sins. They're a reminder, actually, that sin is in the world and in his people. But when Jesus offered once for all, forever, one sacrifice for sins, then he sat down. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool because, this is in verse 13, by one sacrifice he is made perfect forever those who are being made holy. That's a beautiful thing. That's really something. The work is done and he continues to work out that holiness in us, but he has paid that price once for all. Now, the Holy Spirit, this is verse 15, the Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, and this is from Jeremiah, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. This is the new covenant. I will write my laws in their hearts and I will write it on their minds. And then later in Jeremiah, it says, their sins and their lawless acts, I will remember no more. This is why the Holy Spirit testifies to us, because the new covenant is the indwelling spirit. God putting his law in our hearts, writing it on our minds. And in Ezekiel, it says, God renewing our spirit, giving us a heart of flesh, and also putting his spirit in his people. Verse 18, to finish up this little discussion. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. So let me just recap a little bit. We read in Deuteronomy, as God gives the law, that his purpose for giving the law is to prepare this nation of Israel that's come out of slavery. It's to prepare them to move into the land and to prosper and live long and be blessed. That's the reason that he gives this law. And a part of the law is the sacrificial system. As a reminder, as like a school teacher, it says in other places, to prepare people for the coming Messiah, to show that it's not enough to daily or annually make a sacrifice for sin. There is a need for one sacrifice for all time, a perfect sacrifice. And that's what Christ came to do, to offer that perfect sacrifice, and to bring in the new covenant. And a part of that new covenant, as mentioned in Jeremiah chapter 31, God will remember our sins and our lawless acts no more because the sacrifice is done. Amen. Well, that's something that I've been thinking about uh, the past couple of days, that the heart of God is the loving heart of a father. And he gives us his direction and his purpose 
and his commandments so that we would fear him and know him and so that we would be blessed. And that's the heart of God in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament writings, and it is the heart of God under the New Covenant as well, but in a much deeper way, because not only is God in the Old Covenant giving these commandments, in the New Covenant, he actually enters into the hearts of his people by his Spirit. And the scriptures say that he will move in us both to want to do his will and to actually be able to do his will. And this is why it is always possible to do the will of God, because he promises to give us the grace and the strength to be obedient. Amen. That's really wonderful. All right. Well, I started off mentioning that this is the 100th episode of the podcast, and I do want to return to the foundations of this podcast. Before I do that, I forgot to mention right at the beginning Just want to remind you that in addition to the podcast, there is a YouTube channel, Ask for the Ancient Paths, and all of the podcast episodes can be found there, and they are organized by playlists. I've mentioned before that it's a little bit hard to go back through the podcast feed and find a series of talks on different topics, but on the YouTube channel, it's pretty easy to find it. Another thing that I did recently, I'm just beginning to do this, and I may do more of it is I did a transcription of what you are about to hear about Jeremiah 6.16. I did a transcription of that, cleaned it up a little bit, and I posted it on my website. And you may not be aware that if you visit www.cantrell.cc, that's my personal website, and there's a bit more information about my life, things that we're doing, have been doing. It's pretty out of date, so apologies in advance. (laughs) But I'm going to try to spend a little more time and especially getting the transcriptions on the site for people that would prefer to read through or maybe make copies or feel free to copy any of the text and send it in an email to somebody else if you think it's helpful. So I've got that first episode up and I'm working on other ones now. So to introduce what you're about to hear, um, when I was thinking about this episode, I thought that I might do a reintroduction of the podcast. And so I went back and I listened to the first episode. And as I listened, I was taking notes about what I said. And then I realized, well, I said it then and I meant it and I really wouldn't say anything much differently now. (laughs) So what I did was I pulled out of that first episode, my look at Jeremiah 6, 16. So what you're about to hear is what I recorded so long ago, a hundred episodes ago, And I hope that it's a blessing to you. And uh, as we turn the corner, I'm looking forward to the next 100. And also, I do invite you, if you have any comments, any questions, any topics that you would like me to discuss, feel free to drop me a note at ancientpaths at cantrell.cc. Actually, now that I think about it, I'll just, I'm looking at the files that I've created. It's folders on my computer that are in preparation for future episode topics. And uh, one of them, this is pretty good. I don't know when I'll get to it. Remember in the book of Acts, there's a riot in Ephesus, and they're yelling, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And I came up with this name, Great is the Artifice of the Americans. (laughs) And I want to do a talk about uh, particularly American culture 
the artifice of the Americans. Great is the artifice of the Americans. I want to do a study of Barnabas and of Epaphroditus. These are two men that we see in the scriptures. I've done a study of Aquila and Priscilla, a look at their lives as they're revealed in the scripture and some of the lessons that we can draw from that study. I have a few things that have crossed my desk in the last few months, just interesting things, and I'll want to share those. Those will be coming up sometime. I'm thinking about an extended study on Hebrews. That'll take a little while. I want to do a study of the instructions that were given to Timothy. It's a very good study there. I've mentioned it ever since one of the very earliest episodes, uh, possibly doing an episode on the kindness and severity of God. And I'm still working on that. I have one called Mike's Monkey, and it's not me. It's a friend of mine named Mike who lived in Congo for a while. He's in Uganda now. And he told me a story about a monkey that he had. So it's a story that I've got called Mike's Monkey. That is something to look forward to. I mentioned in the last episode that Olga did a talk on fear, how the scriptures tell us not to be afraid, but to fear God. And I've mentioned that even today, this learning to fear God and the good that comes from fearing God. Uh, Olga also did a talk on fruit, the fruitful life. I want to do a study on the sacrifices of the New Testament. I just mentioned here in Hebrews, we mentioned the Old Testament sacrifices, but there are new covenant sacrifices that are mentioned that we're to offer. I also want to do a study of Titus. I'm just going through this alphabetically. I have one that I'm working on, 12 reasons that God allows suffering. And then I want to do a study of the several places where Jesus says, what do you think? He says it a few times, and it's an interesting thing to think of Jesus teaching and bringing truth to his people. And then he asks, what do you think? So he engages his followers. He wants to hear and have relationship with those who follow him. And yet, those who follow him must recognize that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, and there's no other way to the Father except through him. All right, I feel like I've done enough of an introduction in the middle of the podcast, so now I'll represent what was highlighted in the very first episode of this podcast. Jeremiah 6.16 says, Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. This has been a key verse for me for many years. I can't remember when I first encountered it, but it was 25 or 30 years ago, perhaps. And as I pondered it, it's been very, very helpful to me as I've lived the life that God has given me. And I want to share a few thoughts that have been very helpful to me and my family over those years. I just want to look at it and see how God uses it to influence our thinking and our perspective. It says, stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient paths. So the first thing that I see here is that we're told to stand at the crossroads and look. That first sentence, the first word, stand. We go through our lives, we often come to crossroads in our lives or times of decision. Important decisions, some are very important decisions, some are perhaps not so important or seemingly not so important, but we come to crossroads in life uh, pretty constantly. 
quite regularly, I find myself at a point of decision, a place where I need to see and understand. I want to know what does God have for me? Which way should I go? So we come to these crossroads, and the Lord is saying, stand there. Don't keep moving. Even if you feel like you have to keep moving, don't keep moving. Stand and look. Take the time to stand there. Our lives can be so hectic. Uh, The pressures on us can be so great. And perhaps people's expectations of us can be very great and influential. Or our expectations of ourselves can be very influential. And the Lord says, stand there and look. Keep your eyes up. Look outside of ourselves to see what is going on. And then the next sentence is, uh, perhaps the most important, is ask for the ancient paths. I don't know if it's the most important sentence, but it's so important to ask. Not try to figure it out, not try to think things through, but ask. Where are the ancient paths? Where are these good ways? What is an ancient path here before me? What is a good way for me to go? And here I want to go to something that Jesus said when he was asked a pretty important question, and that is in Matthew 22. It's recorded other places. Uh, One of the experts of the law tested Jesus with a question. He said, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And here Jesus replies, What is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus quotes Deuteronomy. He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, With all your soul and with all your mind, this is the first and greatest commandment. Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and says, This is the most important commandment. The most important thing of all the law is to love God. So then, returning to Jeremiah chapter 6, I often come to these points. I come to this crossroads. This is an ancient path to love God. It's the greatest commandment of the law. And so when I am given a choice and when I see options before me, I will ask for this ancient path. God, which of these options helps me to love you more? Which of these decisions leads me to love you more? Because that is an ancient path and that is a good way the way that leads me to love him more. And very often when I ask that question, I'll get clarity quite quickly because the Spirit is revealing uh, his will. Often when I have a decision, one way will be either more selfish or self-concerned or perhaps more comfortable or, or a choice that I could make that is familiar and easy. And another choice will be one of self-sacrifice living by faith. And then I can say, well, the thing that helps me to love God more is to choose that path that may not be as familiar to me or as comfortable, but it makes me depend upon him more and walk into the miraculous where I know that if, if he doesn't do something, then nothing gets done. And so that helps me uh, tremendously to say, God, of, of all the options ahead of me, which is the way that helps me to love you more? And then listen for this answer. Ask for this ancient path. Ask for the good way. And then walk in it. And that is so important. And it's a theme that I return to very often 
not only do we need to know the will of God, we have to do it. We have to walk in it. As it says here, it's a living out of his will. We ask for this path, we ask for the good way, and then we walk. We don't just do something once, it's living it out. Jesus himself said, I am the way. Christianity is not a set of religious beliefs to which we give mental assent at one point in time. To be a Christian is to be a disciple of Jesus. And a disciple is one who travels with his teacher, who lives with his teacher, who sits at his teacher's feet and learns. And this is what Jeremiah 6.16 is saying. Ask where that good way is and then walk in it. Don't run. Don't be scared. Don't look back fearfully. Just walk in the way that God has shown you. And the promise is you'll find rest for your soul. That's the promise. It's not saying that we have to work hard to achieve rest for our soul. The word says that if we stand at a crossroads and we look about and we ask God to reveal the ancient paths the good way, and then we walk in what he's revealed to us, then our souls will be at peace. We will find that rest. So in brief, this is the purpose of these talks that I'll be giving. This is a fundamental understanding of what I say and when I speak with people, the importance and the necessity of surrendering our will to God, standing at these moments of choosing and asking him to show us the way and then actually doing his will. Jesus himself said, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who built his house on a rock. But, Jesus said, if anyone hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, then he's like a man who built his house on sand. The difference is the doing of what he says, not the hearing of it. So, I imagine that some of the people listening to what I'm saying right now, wherever you are, In whatever circumstance you're in, you're at a point of decision-making, and you're not sure of where God wants you to go, what path he wants you to take. So I encourage you, stand. Don't let people force you into making a decision before you have revelation from God. He will give you what you need when you need it. James says that if any of us lacks wisdom, we should ask, and God will give wisdom without finding fault. And when we ask, we should not doubt that he's going to give us wisdom. Because if we do doubt, then we're like waves in the ocean. We're just thrown back and forth. So I encourage you, you stand at the crossroads, you be immovable, and you ask the Lord to reveal his will. What is the ancient path for you? And you expect that answer. He will give it to you when you need it. It may be at the very last moment. It may be a few months in advance. It's up to him when he wants to reveal his will for you. He knows the best timing. He's never late, so he's never anxious. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your soul. Jesus said to his disciples, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Thank you for listening, and God bless you all. Thank you.